Right, welcome back. Um, I've got a very, very special guest here with me. Um, it's been a long time coming. Uh, Kavan, thank you for coming on board on the, on the podcast and uh, sharing your time at Woodbury House. Um, anyway, we're here to talk about the Richard Hamilton movement and more importantly, what we just achieved at the Saatchi Gallery at Startnet, which was very, very successful. And uh, I thank you for coming down and, and, and being a part of it. No, thank, thanks for having me down here, Steve. Um, absolute pleasure to be, um, to be here. No problem. So um, just before we talk about the Richard Hamilton IP, the archive, the goals, the strategies and things which are going to be developing in, in the future. And trust me when I say this, there's some very, very exciting things in the pipeline. Um, your background, because you know what, I sometimes refer to you as the Richard Hamilton lawyer. And I don't know why I say <laughs> that, but that's how I've titled you as. But really and truly, um, your, your, your role is actually different in the IP. But what was your background? You was a lawyer for, yeah, for a big law firm. That, that's right. So I, I used to work in corporate law for um, a company called Latham & Watkins. Um, they're one of the largest law firms in the world. Um, and whilst <coughs> I was there, um, one of um, my clients was a chap called Andy Valmorbida, um, who's, who's probably known to quite a few people in the Hamilton world because he used to be Richard's um, art dealer. And whilst I was there, I got to know Andy quite well over a period of five or so years. And um, then when the time was right, um, um, he approached me and asked me if I'd like to to work with, with him at the archive. Yeah. Um, so that that's how that move came to be. Yeah, I mean, that must have been quite a um, humbling experience and also a privilege. I mean, look you're a lawyer and you've you've gone through all, all, all those years of learning your craft and working for a massive corporation but then to be given an opportunity to to work at such a a massive movement and it really is a massive movement I mean what was what was that feeling like oh it was incredible so um I previously set the goal as wanting to be a partner in a law firm and I was lucky enough to get a few offers from from a <coughs> few great firms um, to, to take up that position and I spoke to my clients and I said look I'm going to be at this firm as a partner um, you're going to move with me and everyone said yes except for Andy and the Hamilton archive who said you know what we'd, we'd really really like you to come and join us you've known you know the company you've known us for the last five years and you know the project that we're going to be on over the over the coming years um, we'd love for you to come with us and it was that conversation with Andy that really kept me up at night and when when you can't get any sleep over a job offer like that uh, you, you already know that your decision's made so yeah um yeah pretty much put, put aside all the all the corporate aspirations of being a partner to, to work on on the Hamilton movement yeah I mean I've got um a slightly similar story yeah. but not as qualified as you I'm just a regular guy but um yeah, it was about 2014 when uh, Andy approached myself and my business partner about, um, you know, teaming up and uh, selling on behalf of the Richard Hamilton archive, um, some of the originals and also some of the limited editions. My background isn't in, in art. Yeah. It was kind of right, right place, right kind of time scenario. And the moment Andy explained the background of Hamilton, he showed me the trailer to the Shadow Man documentary because at, the, at this point... The, the, the documentary hadn't been finished. Yeah. I fell in love with the story. I gave it to my sales team. They fell in love with the story. And within about six, seven weeks, a small inventory gave us, we basically sold the whole entire lot. And I felt it was almost my calling because I've always seen myself as, you know, a, a salesperson. I like, I like to do s selling. But I think the most important thing is you need to have a good brand behind you, a good team behind you. But more importantly, I think the most important thing is a great product. And the moment I was presented the Richard Hamilton product, you know, well, look, seven years down the line, you know, six, seven years down the line, I'm still selling it. Yeah. I mean, that is testament to the fact that how much I believed in it. And, and more importantly, I know where it's about to go. So did you have any kind of interest or any kind of background in art or was it solely no, no. law? Um, my background was, was pretty much solely in in law and my exposure to the art world really was through Andy I mean I'd obviously been to galleries and the like and had a passing interest in in street art but um when I started working with with Andy in the archive um you just get exposed to the Hampton story and he said oh I'm I'm, I'm launching um a documentary soon now so oh, what's it called Shadow Man uh, it's available on Amazon Prime I said okay cool I'll check it out and then 
when I watched that and combined with the background information that I had from um, from Andy at that point, I was just I was just taken in by the story. It's such mm. a powerful, powerful story that that Richard has to tell. And yeah. the thing that really took me about it and, and drew me into the project that we're now embarking on with with um, um, with companies such as Woodbury House um, is that we're really only at the at the tip of the iceberg in terms of getting Richard's story out there. And I think that's I, I don't know whether you share this excitement, but I get the sense that you do that. <clears throat> it's that opportunity to to tell this amazing story to an even bigger audience. Yeah, um, that's the driver in, in, in what we're doing. Yeah. Um, uh, so not coming from the art sort of world myself, um, just like you said, what I like about what we've done with you guys and what we're going to continue to do is obviously build up up the Hamilton market. But I feel like we've got some. And I don't mean it in a bit, a bit of a cheesy way, but I feel like we've got some real good bragging rights because there's been multiple other galleries, art organisations out there that have worked on loads of different genres, loads of different artists, and that's all well and good. That's great. But nobody I can see at the moment has built, helped build the Hamilton movement, certainly in, in London, as, as we have with, with you guys. And I, and I like to have them, them bragging rights because I, I know I can reflect you know, back in 2014, 2015, 2016, when Richard Hamilton was still alive, we was building the market. We'd done multiple shows, uh, one over in Mexico City, one in Dubai with a big restaurant called La Catina Defoir Bar. We put Hamilton into multiple different publications, publications that he typically wouldn't get into. So uh, places like Hype Beast, Vogue Italia, these are, these are like slightly different, different types of publications which have a different demographic and it's allowing us to to get it to the wider world so people understand his his market understand the movement and and then sort of buy into his into his story so you just said something there which i think is is good to pigeonhole on um you didn't really have a background in it same as me but then the moment you found um you know the hamilton story and andy educated you and you watched the, the shadow man documentary or even the trailer yeah. um it st- started to shape your tastes so what would you say to people that have never looked into art forget about hamilton but just looking into art and they say well i don't know if art is for me because i've i've never bought into it I, i'm not educated on it i'm not an expert on it yeah. what would you say to those people being you know making that trans- transition yourself yeah I, I think my journey was exactly that that i i'd always had the attitude that ah, art really isn't for me i don't have a background in art history. Um, but the beautiful thing about Richard's work is that it is so accessible. Um, the, the very first time you see one of his shadow figures or a horse and rider image, you, you know that you've seen a Hamilton work. And that, it, it sounds really cheesy, but that lives with you. you. You know that you've seen a shadow man. And the next time you see it, it'll resonate with you. Um, and... All that I'd say to people who are thinking art isn't for me, check out the documentary or even just check out the the trailer and you'll see what a compelling story there is behind Richard and Richard's work. Yeah. Um, And then I promise you, you're going to be going down that rabbit hole where you're going to want to look at his different, different bodies of work. So whether it's the shadow men, the horse and rider, um, uh, the landscapes, I mean, the list is endless. I mean, you'll be totally mesmerized by the work, I, I promise you that. And then that leads you down um, an even bigger, um, I suppose, part of his world, which is, do you want to start collecting? Do you want to go to the shows? Um, it really does open up a, a whole different world outside of what your normal interest may be, whether it's football or sports or yeah, music. Um I'd just say give give it a go. Yeah, um, I, I definitely will second second that. Um, I've always said the same thing, which is um, your tastes, your interests are always shaped by your education. If you're not educated on something, you're probably not going to have an interest. But the moment you get educated on them or it or that area, you're going to develop an interest. Uh, I've got two things to say on that. I listened to Eddie Hearn's podcast last night. Uh, he was interviewing a, a guy from Formula One. I forgot his name now. And um, there's a documentary on Netflix um, about Formula One. Yeah. I forgot even the name of that as well. Drive to Survive. That's it. Exactly that. 
I'm trying to think of his name. Is it Norton? Someone like that? I'm not sure. I, did, I didn't. I, 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 need, I, I need to go back. Anyway, he clearly stated on there, he said, I had no interest in Formula One. It's one of the sports that he didn't really have an interest in. Yeah. But the moment he watched a Netflix documentary, which is an educational bit of content, yeah. he now cannot stop watching it and more importantly, following the drivers and their, and their journeys. And um, it's a little... It's, Bit of, bit of a silly story, but I'm very much into my health and fitness. As I explained to you, I've, I've boxed, I've had, you know, 15 fights now. Um, I'm planning to do more. And part of part of being an athlete is the training, but then more importantly, nutrition. And I always had a pet hate for avocados, right? I know I'm going off <laughs> topic here, but I hated them, uh, yeah. partly because of their texture, but when I started researching and learning about the good fats, how it can preserve your body, it's very, very good for your brain. There's multiple different benefits to avocados. I mean, they're, they're called a superfood. Over time, it started shaping my taste buds. And now every single week, I'm having them re- religiously. Yeah. And it brings me back to, to the art sector because unless you get exposed to the right content, the right conversations like we're having here, yeah. Watching the trailers, you know, going to the shows, you won't really understand or be aware of that world out there. And what we find is the moment that people take that that sort of leap over in, into his market, whether that's buying a limited edition print um, for a good cost effective, you know, value or, or or an original, people start to begin to fall in love with it, yeah. and people start to build a good collection, a good investment portfolio, and in five years down the line, that investment portfolio has gone up. No, for sure. And one of the things that I I just jump in and say is that we talk about it being education and learning but the way it happens with with Hamilton and with with art in general I think you'll find is <clears throat> you sit and you watch the the trailer or the documentary itself or even start following um, Instagram accounts like the Woodbury House one or or Richard Hamilton official it's entertainment and you'll realize that you're learning through a process of just Sitting back and chilling out on on your sofa and um, and just consuming content. Yeah, um, and I think it's the best way to learn because it doesn't feel like an imposition at all. You enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so what better way to learn than through enjoyment? So definitely, know. definitely. So so going back to your role, then. So what what is your title at the Richard Hamilton IP? So I'm the general counsel and chief operating officer. So okay. taking on both my previous legal role that I had, but also a slightly more commercial um, role now, working with partners such as Woodbury House in order to try and, um, I suppose, act as um, responsible custodians for, for Richard's legacy and to, uh, to ensure that the message gets out there. Yeah, okay. So um, I won't go into names and people like that or even figures, but I know previously there were some big investors behind the Richard Hamilton IP Obviously, I know, um, being a businessman myself, there, there's loads of different elements to why you would invest into a company. Obviously, the legacy, as you just mentioned, educating people, touring stuff around the world. There, there's all that stuff. But then the bottom line is, is obviously to make a profit. Is there a goal in five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years down the road that, I know, the company wants to become a public company or wants to sell part of the company or emerge with another company? Or is that something you can't really talk about yet? Um, I, I think in terms of the commercial goals of the company, we 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 really just want to try and grow it as organically as we possibly can. And I mean, if, if that involves um, the company necessarily becoming bigger, then 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 wonderful. But the primary driver at the moment, as we see it, is to is to manage the archive responsibly, um, and in a way that I think other artists have enjoyed, but Richard hasn't. So if you look at the Basquiat archive the harring archive those have been managed to within an inch of their lives that they're, they're, they're phenomenal phenomenal institutions um we really need to get that same level of organization and rigor um implemented with with richard's work so that that's that's the primary goal at the moment and i think as a consequence of that um that organization i think it'll benefit people who decide to get involved with richard's work whether that's purchasing originals or, or um, limited edition artworks yeah so i've seen with the likes of the herring uh, ip or the archive and also the jean-michel basquiat one um what i loved about their journey because i didn't realize this until i was sort of in the richard hamilton market one um 
You've got the originals, and obviously they capture all the media's attention when Jean-Michel Basquiat went for $110.5 million, yeah. and then even just a year ago, Ken Griffin, the billionaire, buying another one for $100 million. Everyone's like, wow, this is amazing. Obviously, that's going to benefit the whole street art sector, including Richard Hamilton's works. But then there's another side to it, which is the collaborations. Mm-hmm. So there was Jean-Michel Basquiat done a collaboration with Uniqlo. Jean-Michel Basquiat um, uh, archive done a collaboration with um, Coach, for yeah. example. And what this is uh, this allows is people that haven't taken a jump into the original works can still have a slice of history of that artist who passed away many, many years ago. I think he was 28 years of age when he died. Um, they can still have something to do with, with the artist. How important do you think that is for the Richard Hamilton journey to do those collaborations? I, I think it's incredibly important. Um, you want everyone to feel as if they can be a part of that journey going forwards as well. And the more touch points you have, um, the better it is. It, the, the touch points can't just be buying an original piece of his work because that that's simply not achievable for, for many people. Um, and Richard always used to talk about his art being public art. That was the beauty of it. So mm. um, I think it's important that we as the archive try and continue achieving that goal for Richard. So yes, c- collaborations like, like those that you've mentioned are incredibly important. Yeah. Have you got any in the pipeline that you're thinking about? Because I know we were the second company, I think, in history. This is before your time, back in 2016, yeah. which we got into Vogue Italia and also Hypebeast and plenty of other uh, fantastic publications. We've done a collaboration with Dark Circle Clothing yeah. and the Richard Hamilton IP. We've done 25 canvas unique, u- unique jackets, one of ones. Then we done uh, merchandise. It was limited editions. It was obviously the originals. It was absolutely fantastic. In actual fact, it was in this studio that we done the, the, the actual event, which was which was brilliant. Um, I know the one before that was with Supreme, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Um, have you got anything else like that? Are you thinking about teaming up with a company, a Louis Vuitton, maybe? We we definitely are thinking about uh, collaborations going forward. Um, we we can't announce anything just okay. yet, but. Um, we definitely it's in the pipeline that, that, that's what i can say for sure yeah and um, do you think uh intrinsically or does you know when you do a collaboration let's just i'm going to pluck a name out the, the sky gucci you done one with gucci for example or one of the big brands how do you feel that affects the originals market do you think that's a good thing or do you think it doesn't really affect it um i i think it can only it can only help um t- um appreciate the the market for originals because in in essence you're getting um the artist's name out there to to a much wider audience than you otherwise would have i mean you only need to look at um the shows which were which were done in collaboration with armani to see the effect that that had on on richard's market so um I think collaborations are, are an incredibly important part of, of what we do. Yeah, I mean, uh, funny, funny you should say that because I've got a big client of ours who actually owns 10 of the nightlifes, uh, yeah. which I'm a, we'll, we'll talk about the Sarchi show in a second. Um, he fell in love with the story. I mean, this again, going back to our original conversation, testament to the fact that you don't need an art background or an art degree or necessarily have a massive amount of interest in art. You can still collect and also invest into art. So this guy ended up buying... 10 um, nightlifes. He's from a venture capital sort of background. Very, very good on these numbers. He buys into companies, scales companies, sells companies. And then he's bought, bought multiple different, very, very key key works. He's bought a standing shadow man from uh, on canvas from the 80s. And then he bought a rodeo, which is forward facing. So one of the rare kind of stances that Hamilton took for the rodeos. And then he also bought, which is next door, the blood landscape that is almost like the the one that people refer to as the heroin one because it looks like pulling them back on the syringe and both of those were important for him because number one they were both featured somewhere in the documentary and in the trailer especially the red landscape and the second thing is they were both in the Giorgio Armani show so when you do big shows like that Giorgio Armani, Saatchi, those kind of things how important or how much do you think collectors or investors love the kudos of what where that that piece of art has has been because the way i refer to it sometimes is you could have 10 mercedes cars but the moment that 
Steve McQueen owned one and drove it around for a year or so. And then he put it into auction. For some reason, that one fetches 50 or 60% more in auction than the others. Yeah, I, I think it's, it, it all plays into the, the rich tapestry that makes up the provenance of a piece. And collectors, whether they're um, seasoned collectors or whether they're, they're new to the market, um, all look for strong provenance in a piece. Now, that can either be achieved by saying you've bought it directly from the artist in his studio or um, through having seen where the piece has been exhibited, whether it's been at shows like the Armani or whether it's come from a private collector with, with, a, with a good reputation or from a gallery such as Woodbury. Um, but it all adds to the touch and feel of, of the piece. And what you're buying is a piece of art history. And when you buy a piece of history, you want to know that it's got good provenance. So... Mm. Yeah, I think um, having having shows like the Armani show or seeing your piece in the documentary are, are going to obviously encourage people to, to, I suppose, pull the trigger and make that purchase because they've got a lot more confidence. Yeah, definitely. And also seeing key people um, invest or collect his art. art. Um, I think it was, uh, who did he say? I interviewed Frank Palela, just about pronounce his name properly now. Um, he said, is it Paul Rudd? Yeah. The actor yeah. collects his work. Obviously, Giorgio Armani. Uh, Andy used to mention a bunch of people to me who used to collect his, collect his work. And I think it's important to get the pe- the high-profile people. I, I mean, you can't always t- say their names, but where you can show that they are collecting his work because these are people that have got collections with Andy Warhol, Damien Hirst, Jeff Koons, Coors, Banksy. And now they're, now, now they're also not just collecting Hamilton on a small scale. We're talking about stockpiling work. Like massively, yeah, and I mean the the reason the reason for for those people stockpiling his work is is because it's proving to be a very very sound investment over time, um, and and as I said a, a few moments ago, we really think that we're just at the start of of this this journey. Um, I mean, w- one of the things that we we talk about is the effect that. Julian Schnabel's film had on the Basquiat market. And I mean, there was a meteoric increase in, in the value of, of his work. What we're doing at the archive and trying to, I suppose, carry out key marketing <clears throat> efforts will be to, the, the natural effect will be for Hamilton's market to also increase. So um, I think that's the reason why people are investing in his art. But then more generally, like you say, when you've got high profile investors it obviously adds to market confidence when you've got people like armani being involved jimmy Iovine, bombardier aerospace i mean these are these are big global brands who are associated with richard so um that that helps the market as well yeah for sure well look i know firsthand so when i got got into uh his market we said in shadowheads you know six years ago whatever it may be they were selling between four to eight thousand depending on size and quality those same heads today are selling between 40, 50, 60,000. I've seen one gallery, actually two, but one that stands out, that was selling one for nearly 100 grand really? in, in a round. Yeah. Now, I personally think that's a bit on the steep side, but then I sort of um, reflected on what, what I thought about that and thought, well, do you know what? They're actually predict- predicting the future now, though, in, in regards to or, or getting ready for the future because they know next year there's going to be, I think there's going to be a... Um, a Berlin, a Berlin Museum solo show for Hamilton, which is going to definitely drive the market. There's going to be multiple different shows by different organisations. Obviously, we're going to be playing a big part in that as well. It's going to be collaboration. So they kind of corrected their prices already because they know what's about to come. Um, and that's obviously the, the entry level. But then on the higher end, I mean, I could talk about all the auction results, but the best one happened last year with Phillips nearly a year ago, November. 550,000. I mean, how much, when you see, when you see numbers like that, how excited do you get and how much confidence do you have for the future? A huge amount of confidence, actually. I think, I, I think that the public auction results are just a part of the story because you know, as well as I do, quite a lot of what happens behind closed doors is where the market is really at and that the auction results are just the public window into what's going on behind closed doors. Yeah. Um, and so what we're seeing is 
Richard's Richard's works changing hands for for significant sums of money, um, which, which really aren't out there in the public domain. But key key investors and people who've already got a body of his work will know how much yeah. his work is trading for. But the auction results really get that message out to everyone yeah. else. Yeah. I mean, I heard from an art uh, critic or an art expert the other day, he said something like 95% of work sold from any artist happens privately and only 5% what you see is in the public domain. And I think it's such an important thing for people to understand because sometimes people with any artist only go off of auction results, but that only tells you one side of the story. I was looking at a, um, a rodeo, a very, very large rodeo for a client of mine and was negotiating. I was going for about two or three people uh, via New York, yeah. someone that I've got a good track record with uh, before. I bought a lot, a lot of work off the guy. And uh, sadly, we, we got beat to it. And I said, just out of curiosity, how much did it go for? He said, 900, sorry, $960,000. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about almost a million dollars now, which is basically double what, what happened last year. Yeah. So that is, that is testament to the fact that the market is building and gaining massive momentum behind the scenes. And if you're going off for just auction results, well, that's okay, but you're missing the bigger picture. Oh, totally, totally. The, the auction results only are really only the tip of the iceberg um, in terms of what, what's going on in Richard's market. Um, so I think in order to get more involved, you need to be talking with with key galleries and the archive to, to, to try and get a piece of, of art history. Yeah. The only other thing that I'd, I'd add is that you're, you're probably finding the same thing there. There isn't much original work out there. It's, um, it's hard to come by at the moment. So yeah. Um, that combined with the fact that there's going to be a huge amount of work going into advertising um, Richard and his works um, over the coming years now really is an amazing time to try and get involved and, yeah. and to get yourself on this ride um b- before the train really pulls away from the station yeah yeah for sure um there was a program called the price of everything i think it was on bbc and yeah. it was talking about the art market um i think they referenced in there jean-michel basket and, and a few sort of affiliates to hamilton and anyway they said the two things that drive the market is number one supply and demand Richard Hamilton and his predecessors have passed away. Hamilton over three years ago now. So the supply is totally capped. The demand through educational tools, through content conversations like this, the Saatchi show that we did, collaborations, all these different publications, the demand is increasing. I wouldn't just say year and year. I'm talking about every single week. We are getting more and more new clients coming towards us because they've heard about the Hamilton movement and they want even a small piece of, of it. So that's driving the market. The second thing is financial interest. Who's got a financial interest in the artist? Now we have as as a company because we invest as well as trade. Obviously you guys have and there's other great organisations out there as well. But I also think there's a third element which um, this documentary was made I think about a year or so ago. So it was before COVID. Now COVID has been a horrendous thing. I mean we spoke about this until we were blue in the face just earlier. Um, we're not going to talk about whether it's right or wrong, but we're going to talk about the economic factors. Um, COVID has decimated jobs. It's decimated companies. It's de- decimated careers, uh, financial institutes, ISIS bonds, bank, bank-based investments, stocks and shares. I mean, they're, they're, they're very, very uncertain at this present point in time. The only one bit of silver lining that I've experienced is the art market thriving because of it. There was an auction, a virtual auction that happened over the summer. I think it was over in, I think it was in August, which is notoriously meant to be everybody's away on holiday. Yeah. Well, anyway, they've done this virtual auction. $400 million was raised in nearly in one night. And the thing that stole the show was a Jean-Michel Basquiat head. Mm-hmm. So I would say like the equivalent of a shadow head yeah. to, to yeah. Hamilton. Had an estimate between 9 to $12 million. And it went for $15 million. And it broke the record of one piece of art being sold at a virtual auction. What I mean by a virtual auction, no one was present, no one was in the room. It was all done over the telephone or all done over the internet. What I'm trying to get to is more and more people now are using this sector as a financial instrument, as a vehicle for safety, security and growth. And I feel that most other areas right now, they're either failing them, people, or they're just very, very uncertain. Do you, how how would you feel about 
Hamilton being great as a as an artist, but what about the financial instrument side of things? Um, I, I think that's a really interesting point that you you touch on actually, because as as matters stand, we're we're in very uncertain times um, economically. And I might add, we've got another lockdown coming this Thursday, which I know. I know you're thrilled about. Yeah, I can, a, I could just see <laughs> your massive smile on your face. <laughs> I mean, uh, I put I put that to one side, but I think that with this this economic uncertainty, a lot of people would be would be quite cautious about making investments. But in the art market, we've seen the total opposite. People see artists as a safe haven, and it's not just sentiment that's driving that. It's, it's, it's the actuality of putting your money in art and people are seeing good returns on, on investing in art, um, mainly because the, the banks are letting people down. Interest rates are so frighteningly low um, to the point of being non-existent um, that people are looking for alternative investment classes and, and art is one of them. And those who are looking at art purely as, as an investment... Um, Rich's work is is a wonderful, wonderful way to to, to um, really put your money to to good use because we're only seeing his works appreciating in value at the moment. So um, yeah, I, th- I think it's it's an interesting it's an interesting point that you raise. Yeah, I've, I honestly do feel that COVID has has driven the market. There are other markets out there which are doing great. I mean, people normally refer to gold as a flight to safety in times of econ- economic turmoil. But gold hit an all-time high uh, this year. I think two dollars, two thousand dollars per troy ounce. And I've always been taught uh, rule uh, one hundred and one is buy low, sell higher. Yeah. There's no point of buying something higher and then trying to sell higher because that's a risk. With Hamilton, he's so undervalued in comparison to his predecessors. I mean, if you just take the five hundred fifty thousand um, uh, auction result in November of last year and com- uh, compare it to his painting partner and his buddy Jean-Michel Basquiat that went for $110.5 million. There's so much scope for his market to mature and get to you know, a very, very similar level over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, when you look back to the, to the 80s, there was a piece <coughs> in the uh, International Herald Tribune um, which talked about the burgeoning street art movement and they referenced Basquiat, Haring and Hamilton. Hamilton's piece interestingly was the only piece um, to feature on to it. To feature in that. that. And on top of that, they mentioned that Basquiat's work and Haring's work were available for lower sums of money than, than, than Richard's. So yeah. um, something happened in the intervening period. I mean, R- Richard's you can hear it from his, own, from his own mouth in the documentary. He said Unfortunately, um, Basquiat and Haring passed, and um, I lived, mm. and 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 that might, in large part, reflect what happened to to his market. But um, all of which is to say, there is a huge amount of room for growth in in Richard's original art, and also the limited edition artwork that that we're releasing. Yeah, so I wanted to get onto that actually. So we done this big uh, show at the Saatchi Gallery which is obviously on King's Road in Chelsea. I mean, in your own words, how big of a deal is it to do something at the Saatchi Gallery? It's phenomenal. I mean, to, to, to be able to see Richard's work hanging in the Saatchi Gallery was, was something very, very special indeed. I mean, when you saw the army of uh, nightlife standing shadow from the 80s in, in, that, in that room, I mean, what was your uh, initial thoughts and feelings towards that? It was... It, it was genuinely mind blowing. It literally takes your breath away because you're you walk into this this room and you're surrounded and I mean it's quite imposing seeing all these huge shadow men um, looking at you. Um, they're like an, it's it's basically like a shadow army. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really imposing. Um, yeah. But to to anyone who's who wasn't able to get down there. I would strongly recommend you try and check out the images on on the Woodbury House um, Instagram feed. It, yeah. it's, it it doesn't quite do it justice, but it's still pretty special. But there's a lot more content coming out, and also some of the other publications uh, they're going to be releasing their 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 uh, 
their, their, their content over the next few days and next few weeks. So there's yeah. going to be more and more images coming out. And before we talk about the limited edition nightlife print that we're, we are, we have launched, yeah. um, which I want to talk, talk, talk to you more heavily about. There's one piece in there that, um, for me, was one of the most important pieces in there, which is called I Only Have Eyes For You. Yeah. So as you walked in, there was a bit of a bio on Hamilton, also the nightlife, and next to it was one of the kind of original ones that he ever produced, and they were meant to be plastered up the sides of the streets in New York. And then over time, they would disintegrate and leave this kind of white kind of shadow figure, and that was about for the Shadow, shadow Series. How important... Uh, do you think that body of work is and and more importantly when you saw it for the first time had you seen one of those before or was that was that the first time at Saatchi um I had seen one of those before but not in the flesh so I'd seen it in archive catalogs um and videos but I hadn't seen one in the flesh um so so it was it really was super special to see um I only have eyes for you there at the Saatchi and knowing the history behind it (laughs) That that was, I suppose, the precursor to the to the Shadow Man series. Um, yeah. it, I think it was it was a wonderful piece of art exhibition to or curation, I should say. Yeah. Um, to have that piece next to all of the the nightlife shadows. And um, you know that piece as well. I mean, Saatchi or the Startnet, they had loads of different galleries there, loads of different artists there, and loads of different images to choose from. Yeah. And there was five front covers. And on the front cover was us and it had the only eye for you on, on the front of it. And for me, it gave me this kind of warm, tingly feeling inside thinking, Jesus, you know, we're, we're a part of something magical here because for them to choose all of that yeah. out of all, all of those different images and, and chose to go for that one, it, 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 it reflects on how important they believe that body of works was mm-hmm. and, and therefore the Stand in Shadow series could be born and could flourish and do really, really good things in, 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 in his market. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, when you talk about Richard Hamilton, um, he has a place in art history that deserves to be amongst the greats. We're talking about Basquiat, we're talking about Haring. And I think the cover of the Saatchi um, catalogue to, to feature Only Have Eyes For You and to see Richard on the front cover, um, I, I think it was recognition of of his place in, in that pantheon of greats. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, so the the pieces that were featured at the um, nightlife exhibition at Saatchi, uh, the the originals, bearing in mind they're from nineteen eighty five. So, Jean Michel Basquet, Keith Haring, Hamilton. Most art collectors, art lovers, and investors would say if you could buy an original from the 80s, that's probably your very, very best investment you can make. Yeah. Sadly, and there is a downside, they're £150,000 plus. Yeah. Um, and most people, if you're coming into the art market for the first time, may not have that kind of money around them. However, the next best thing is to get a limited edition print, run a 50, straight from the archive. So a little bit about that from 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 you. Um the, the making of it, you know, how important it is for you to release this limited edition one with uh, Woodbury House? So this particular piece was incredibly important to us. Um, we started having conversations with, with you and your team at Woodbury House months and months and months ago. This has been an absolute labour of love for us. Um, we recognise how important this image is and our responsibility to try and create something that we could offer to to your customers uh, that is as close to the original as possible and what we've done in the attempt to to create that is um, try and source the exact paper that Richard used and for for, for those of you who've not seen it it's it's on a, uh, a special type of Japanese paper called ginwashi paper which has this wonderful translucent um look and feel to it where you can see the weave of the paper and if you yep. back or front light it um creates i suppose a secondary shadow figure because because the paper's translucent um so <coughs> having the papers flown in especially from japan um the prints are going to be life-size so you're going to be able you're going to be able to take home something that literally is the same size as what you've been able to see in the Saatchi gallery, 
um, and and hang it um, uh, in in your house. Yeah. Um, so it's a beautiful piece. It's got a lot of meaning to it. It's got a lot of depth to it. Um, and I'm pretty sure from years to come, people are going to be speaking uh, about the nightlife show and the Saatchi show, etc. But as far as the, let's say the financial gains are concerned, obviously we can't you know hang our hat on, on on a number. No one, no one's got a crystal ball and says in five years' time it's going to be worth three times the amount. But in your experience with limited editions from from credible artists like Hamilton, how how well can limited editions do? I think limited editions have the potential to do extremely well. I mean, you're right to touch upon. Um, other artist markets as well, because you only need to look and see with the with the Basquiat archive, for example, and the Banksy and the Banksy archive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, their pieces release and immediately sell out. It's it's almost like a lottery as to whether you get a piece or not. And um, immediately upon purchase, um, you're probably going to be able to command many, many, many times over what you originally paid for it. Um, now we feel that the same can be true of Hamilton's work as well, and. I think the beauty of the nightlife print in particular is that we're taking the quality of what we're producing to to totally unparalleled level the 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 look feel and care that's been taken in creating this product is i think almost unheard of we're using silk screen prints on special on specialty <coughs> paper that's been created specifically for this project um yeah. so you You'd be hard pressed to, um, yeah. to not feel the, the the quality of the product, and I think that'll be reflected later down the line um, when people look at it as an investment piece. Yeah, so you could you could very much say you know um, limited edition from Hamilton are investment. Oh yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely. I mean we've we've seen other prints which have been released in in years gone gone by. Um, and they've sold on the secondary market um, at, at a substantial uplift. So um, for, for anyone who's thinking of getting involved, I, I really would encourage you to do it with, with this release because it is, like I say, it's, it's an unparalleled print. In fact, we don't even like using the word print within the archive. It, it comes across as being something that can be recreated. Yeah. Where, whereas, we, I mean, we like to refer to them uh, in-house as limited edition artwork. Same here, yeah. It's just, I mean, it, it does the piece a lot more respect to, to refer to it in that way. Yeah, well, I used to, the way I used to educate my clients, and this was a teaching from Andy to me, yeah. like Andy was basically like my mentor at the start of, of everything, so I learned pretty much everything from him. He said that a print is something that can be kind of, kind of you know, remade um, and you can mass produce it. And... A limited edition normally has a decoration. It will say, right, there's going to be a run of 50, and once the 50 are gone, they're gone. Hence why it's called a limited edition run. Yeah. Um, however, going back to prints, I mean, even even Banksy, I mean, he's got unsigned prints, unsigned, so not signed by uh, Pest Control or himself, yeah. who kind of regulates his market. They're going for over 100,000. I saw a limited edition, which was signed, mm-hmm. went for 300 something. Yeah. And then there was... The price of Monet, mm-hmm. uh, which was an original, I think in the last couple of weeks went for what seven million or something like that pounds. Yeah. So that gives you that gives you the three tier um, structure. You got the prints, you got limited editions, and you got the originals. They're all making money. Yeah. So if that's anything to go by, Richard Hamilton is the Godfather of street art. Banksy got his inspiration from people like Hamilton and it's been referenced so many times in the public domain in this shadow man documentary. If that's anything to go by, I'm super, super excited to see where all limited editions go from Hamilton, but especially these nightlife ones, because for me, this reflects on the narrative that he painted these 53 standing shadow figures. That was the first transition he made from the streets of New York onto a medium such as the paper is in conjunction with Startnet and Saatchi and more importantly it's in conjunction with you guys so I'm very very excited you know by the future of these yeah no no so, so are we I mean it, from what we've we've heard um from from you in particular it's been that the the response has been phenomenal so I, I wouldn't be surprised by the time this podcast gets released that, yeah that no more are available but 
Um, all of which is to say, getting involved now is 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 a really really good time if, if you're if you're on the fence. And especially the the price point. I mean, it's a, it's a great product anyway, and it means a lot. But ten thousand pounds is not going to break break the bank, and uh, it gives you a first test and taste of the street art sector and and Hambleton. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If you if you're thinking about dipping your toe into into the market, <clears throat> this is a perfect opportunity to do so. So there was one bit of information that you released at the Saatchi event, uh, which was the Richard Hamilton experience. So just to go over that again, what did you announce? Because that was some exclusive information for us. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we thought that such a major announcement as the Richard Hamilton experience needed to have the right venue and platform for, for that announcement. And we thought that the, the show at the Saatchi Gallery was exactly that. Um and the Richard Hamilton experience is going to be, I suppose, a, a show that we launch sometime next year in London. Um, the original plan had been to do it in, in New York, but unfortunately due to COVID, um, uh, we've had to realign our plans. But it is going to be a groundbreaking show um, which fuses the use of technology to showcase Richard's work in a way that's not been seen before. We're talking about using holograms, lighting, projection systems, um, just reimagining and presenting his work in a way that hasn't been seen before and on a scale that's not been seen before. Um, and we're incredibly excited to 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 show that to the public that's amazing and then you did hint um you know maybe the nightlife uh series could be somewhere affiliated with it or maybe tour around the world yeah i I think that's that's entirely possible i mean when when you look at the um the nightlife series people a lot of people came up to to me at the show and said oh my gosh it's like seeing uh a version of the terracotta army but in mm. in shadow form uh, it, it really is like that and people do want to see it we've had so many inquiries from people saying can i get a hold of one of these shadows where, where can i see see the shadow army next mm. um and so all of a sudden you've gone from talking about this the standing shadows from the nightlife series to people referring to them as the shadow army which yeah. i think, think is quite cool <laughs> so i think any way which we can get people to see that body of work again would be would be fantastic i know people in new york obviously where he's made his name uh probably la miami over art basel and then more importantly taking it to his hometown which is vancouver in canada yeah. i think that would be incredible and we would definitely like to work with with you on that um like I said earlier, we're very much invested into this 100% into the Hamilton movement. Um, it's the thing that always gets me excited to talk to people about Hamilton and to, to talk about the future. And I know there's certain other things we can't announce now, but yeah. I know you've got some very, very strong things coming up in the pipeline. And if we can be a part of that, a small part, a large part, uh, we're, we're here to do that. Excellent. No, really pleased to hear that, Steve. Um Right, so the last final thing is we've got another show happening at the Mandrake Hotel. Now, it was going to happen at the end of this month. Um, it's now going to happen in December, I think probably second week into December Yeah. after, you know, the, the lockdown is, uh, you know, gone. Um, we're going to have the big gold rodeo there, which is a very, very special piece. We actually had that in Dubai, our first show in 2015, that we sold it to um, someone over there, very, very serious collector. Yeah. And then a good friend of mine purchased it uh, early this year. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do a limited edition run of that, a run of 50, I think. Yeah. Still haven't announced a price, but it could be around about the £10,000 mark. I, th- I think that's probably right. Um so, as you say, our plans to have an event um, at the end of November have been slightly scuppered by by COVID. But um, with with the lockdown only lasting about four weeks, we hope by the time we go to to the Mandrake, um, the lockdown will well and truly have been lifted in time for Christmas. And we hope that people can come down and um, have a look at the work and um, perhaps have have a Christmas drink and um, think about buying um, a. a gift a gift yeah. yeah be fantastic i'm i really love the mandrake hotel it's very very different it's very uh 
it's really it's, cool and quirky, isn't it? It's like being in, in nature, but inside, yeah. which is quite weird. Uh, they've got some really cool art there, fantastic hotel, and uh, the food is great. And obviously the uh, the ambience of it is, is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to talk about on, on, the, on the Hamilton side of things or anywhere that we can follow the journey a bit more, apart from Woodbury House, of course? Um, we're going to be relaunching the archives websites in the coming weeks and months but i think that's going to be um something that coincides with all of our major marketing activities which are going to be going on in in 2021 so the experience being being the main the main event but we've got a couple of other big announcements that i think we'll be making um during the course of 2021, which will coincide with the relaunch of, uh, of RichardHamiltonOfficial.com. That's mega. Well, every time that, you know, you've, you've made some kind of announcement, whether it's a small one or a large one, including the one that you made at Saatchi, we got a, get an influx of people, um, you know, wanted to see stock. Obviously, with the release of the limited editions, which we've already sold a bunch, people getting very, very excited by that. And I know people are watching. Um, so I'm very, very humbled and privileged to be a part of the journey as well i've got one more favor to ask before we shut yeah the shadow man is referred to uh richard hamilton but the other person who's quite elusive sometimes to get on camera is andy <laughs> i want to i want to get him on camera one day and have a conversation with him because do you know what all jokes yeah. aside he's so knowledgeable yeah he's got so much experience he's done some incredible stuff like putting the georgia Armani show together I mean, the other thing that people don't really talk about so much, which I, which I think is super cool, is they've done the towel of a visage yet once with yeah, the with, amazing, with, with, the, with the Richard Hamilton step, like jumping shadow. Um, I just think he's got some of the golden bits of content. So when you can, twist his arm, try and get him on the podcast. Yeah, I'll definitely try for you. All right, thank you. Thank you very much for your time, Kavan, and um, let's have a cracking end to the year. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Steve. Top man.